when I was a little boy, one of the things that uh, one of the things that I was afraid more so than anything else was my mother getting away from me. Right? I wanted always to make sure that whatever I was doing, that out the side of my eye, that I could always see my mama. Oftentimes when we get into the grocery store, and I remember even being about 9 and 10 years old, and this happening too, believe it or not, and I would go in the grocery store, but more so as a younger child, uh, that oftentimes my mother would always tell me, you stay next to me. Remember that? You stay right here. Don't you go anywhere. Uh, but me, as a little boy, oftentimes what I would do, I would start going around corners. I would start going around corners and down aisles. And, and I remember one time that uh, uh, my mother, she would say, now we're going in the store. You stay near me. And I would say, okay. Right? And I was big and bad, and I decided to go off on my own going through the grocery store. So I went off on my own in the grocery store, then, and then one time I simply decided that uh, it's time to go back to mom. And I started looking for her, and I couldn't find her. And as cool as I was, I said, well, no worry. No, that was not my, 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 my state of mind. Uh, my state of mind was, where is mama? So I started going around uh, the aisles, up and down the aisles, saying, Mama, 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 are you there? I, I would. And then I would get a little louder. Mama, Mama, Mama. And I, I couldn't find her this one time. I couldn't find her anywhere. I was afraid that uh, she had left me. I was afraid that uh, she had gone off. And I looked through that store, and I could not find that woman. And finally, I decided to walk out of the store, and there she was in the car waiting on me. I guess she was trying to teach me a lesson once and for all. Lesson learned. But there's something about being abandoned which scares us to death. There's something about being deserted which creates a great sense of anxiety in our hearts. One hand, we don't necessarily uh, think about it, uh, but, uh, but when it happens, then we realize how fragile emotionally we can be. Today's message walks right along that path. Overcoming insecurity uh, when someone abandons us. Would you turn with me to Acts chapter 15? Acts Chapter 15, verse 36. Acts chapter 15, verse, beginning in verse 36. If you have ever been abandoned, one thing that you understand is that uh, we don't easily forget when someone abandons us. If you have ever been abandoned, uh, one thing that you know is that uh, that is one hard thing to forget. Let's read the scripture. And after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, let us return and visit the brothers in every city where we proclaim the word of the Lord and see how they are. 
Now Barnabas wanted to take with them John called Mark. But Paul thought best not to take with them one who had withdrawn from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. We may be faced with unresolved issues in the course of an ordinary day. It was a time when Paul was on fire for Jesus and nothing could get in his way. Now, Paul was uh, focused on doing the work of the ministry. The one thing that was on Paul's mind was, how can I get the gospel from where I am to where those people are? And when we look at scripture, we see how Paul took the gospel to places where no one else was called to go. Initially, yes, he started the gospel with the Jews, but ultimately he ended up with the gospel to the Gentiles. It was not that anybody else was disobedient. It was just that Paul had a very passionate call from the Lord to minister beyond the Jewish community. In fact, if you look at Acts chapter 16, verse 9, you'll see here the, the passage it reads, And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. Right? Uh, Paul was doing his thing in the nighttime, and he saw this vision. Uh, and a man of Macedonia, that is of Greece, Greek descent, was standing there, urging him and saying, Come over uh, to Macedonia and help us. Paul, it was nighttime, he has his vision, and someone is telling, us, uh, telling him, uh, Paul, go to Greek and help those guys. So Paul did that very same thing, that he traveled at least 1,200 miles in order to go minister in Macedonia. Again, it wasn't as simple as calling up a cab or, or trying to get on an airplane to go, uh, that it was very tough terrain to get there, and not, over, not only on land, but also overseas. Traveling in those days, they were very rough. A Second Corinthians chapter 11, verse 25. These are some of the things that Paul went through just in order uh, to promote the gospel of Jesus Christ. He says this. He says, three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. Three times? A night and a day I was adrift at sea. On frequent journeys, in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles. So in other words, danger from the people where I came from and danger from the people where I was going to. Danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers. And toil and hardship through many a sleepless night in hunger and thirst, often without food and cold and exposure. In other words, Paul was saying that I did this gospel thing even to the point that there were some nights I didn't even have a roof over my head. See, Paul, he was serious about this gospel. He was focused. I know some of us that if we went through just one thing, we would say, you know what, that's enough of that. Uh, I, don't have any enough, I don't have enough bandwidth to do it again. Uh, I was shipwrecked once, so I'm not going to get on the ship a second time. They beat me one time, I'm not going to let them beat me a second time for this gospel. Paul was very serious and focused 
on that task that Jesus had called him to do. And he said basically nothing would dissuade him, not even the threat of death. So now in our passage back here in Acts 15, Paul was speaking to Barnabas. If you don't know who Barnabas was, Barnabas was a great encourager of Paul. Remember uh, there in Acts chapter 9, uh, when, 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 when Paul was confronted by Jesus Christ, and then he did, was trying to decide what did all of this mean, and when he went to himself, and then he finally came to, it was Barnabas who encouraged him, who told the other brother, say, this guy Paul, he's okay, leave him alone, he really is about the gospel. So now in our passage we see that Paul wanted Barnabas to join with him to return to encourage believers in the places that has received Jesus Christ as their Redeemer. So they had already gone, right, uh, to all these different places and, and said, uh, have you believed in Jesus Christ? Believe in Jesus Christ today. And they did. Have you believed in Jesus Christ? Believe in Jesus Christ today. And they did. And they kept going on and they went to other places. And then finally they reached a point and Paul says, we need to go back to make sure everybody's okay and encourage those brothers and sisters in the faith. You see, it's not enough just to bring somebody to faith, but you have to encourage them and mentor them in the faith as well. It's hard work. Amen. So Paul, he wanted Barnabas to go. And you know, wouldn't life be so much easier if everybody did exactly what you wanted them to do? Wouldn't life be like hunky-dory, right? If you told or you asked somebody to do something and they did it, or you told someone to do something and they do it, wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't that be great? Uh, mothers and fathers, if you told your children and you would say, it's time to wash the dishes, and they would say, yes, my father, or yes, my mother, I will do it now, and would you want me to do the floors while I'm there? Wouldn't that be wonderful if it worked out that way? Wouldn't it uh, be okay, uh, Pastor Scott, that uh, uh, after you propose to your wife, right, and she said, yeah, you the one, uh, you the one, you, you, you the one. And then you all jump over the broomstick. And then after a year or two passes and you tell her, well, honey, I need for you to do that. And she looks at you and said, who are you talking to? <laughs> she did it today. Okay, all right. <laughs> well, we, we promise not to tell. Now, if she listens to the podcast, that's a different story. Uh, I don't have any control because we're not going to edit that part out, right? Life would be so much easier if, if Paul would have said, Barnabas, let's go. And Barnabas would have said, all right, let's go, Paul, and do this thing. No dissension, no conflict. Everything simply happens the way you want it to happen. <laughs> Barnabas that man who stood by Paul when everyone else was against him suggested, he just said, here, here you go, uh, okay, we're going to do this thing, but we're going to take uh, John Mark along with us to minister. Seems simple enough. You know, obviously, if Barnabas wanted to bring John Mark, uh, then it's very obvious that maybe John Mark would have went. 
But when we look at Paul's response, we know that something was bothering him. Previously, we really, we really were unaware of, uh, prior to this verse, we didn't know that the apostle, the great apostle Paul, had an issue with somebody. Paul had a major problem with John Mark. There was an unresolved issue between Paul and John Mark that had gone unnoticed in Scripture until we make it to Acts chapter 15. You know, most of the time when we live our life, life goes on pretty much as planned and pretty much it's ordinary, right? I get up, I go to work, yeah, there's some crazies here or there, but every day it's the same thing. I come home, I eat, you know, family, look at television, go to sleep, then I get up and the, and the cycle repeats itself over and over and over again. But then... We run into so-and-so. Or this person shows up at our doorstep or our place of business. I'm, I'm going to give you a little insight. My wife's, wife will probably be amazed that I would even tell you this story, but I'm going to tell on myself, right? So one day I was at this concert, and this concert was at a church. And, uh, and, and, and this one time, uh, my wife, she was standing with me. And this lady, she comes up. She looks at me, and I'm just, you know, I'm just being myself. Like you see me now, that's the way I was then, just talking to different people, talking to my wife. You know, this lady, she comes up, and she looks at me, and she says, David Spencer. You know, and I turn my head, and I turn my head, and I figure out who it was, and I said, uh-oh. Look like there's going to be trouble in Denmark. All right, and I look, you know, so I'm just living my life ordinary, just, you know, I'm, I'm good, I'm good. Uh, when you turn around and, and the person that you least expect uh, to call your name, they call your name, and you're wondering what's about to go on. And, uh, you know, so I'm cordial, right? Uh, Elder Davis, you know exactly what I'm talking about, right? Uh, so I'm cordial, I'm being nice. So, hi, how are you doing? Right, how's your mom doing? Right, I'm being very cordial, very nice, right? And this person, she looks at my wife is standing right there. She hasn't even acknowledged my wife, right? I'm like, man, what's getting ready to happen? My wife told me later, she said, yeah, I thought I was getting ready to have to beat her down, right? And um, so, you, so you all keep praying for her, right? She needs lots of prayer. Because, you know, I wasn't doing nothing, right? I'm just being myself. And she tells me, she says, is that all you have to say to me? Um, and I know some of you, you you're laughing. You said, that, like, that sounded like a bad breakup or something like that. You know, no, it wasn't like that. And nothing like, it's like I hadn't seen this person over 20 plus years. And she acted like I had saw her yesterday. Lord, help me. So uh, this person throws a wrench in my ordinary day. Paul was thinking his day was ordinary. And then Barnabas, he comes along and he says, John Mark. I'm sure in the heart of the Apostle Paul, it, it created inside of him this great anxiety because obviously something else had happened. Here he is, again, face to face 
with this problem person just like you, just like me. Oh, we're no different. You knew it was there in your life. And you had thought, right? If five years had passed, I'm good. Ten years passed, I'm good. Uh, 15, 20, 30 years passed, and I'm good. I, I ain't got nothing to worry about. And then John Mark comes up. Sure, Paul had hoped that he had gotten lost in the fray somewhere. Abandonment can be such a complex issue that we may not realize the different form that it takes in our own hearts. Abandonments. 1538. Acts 1538. So Barnabas tells. The Apostle Paul, we need to take John, Mark, or just Mark with us. And then look what the scripture says in Acts 15.38. But Paul thought best not to take with them one who had withdrawn or deserted them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. <laughs> it is clear that Paul had not gotten over the fact that John, Mark had abandoned them in the midst of ministering. So right in the heat of the time of the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ, John Mark said, I got to go. The ESV tells us that Paul thought it, not, he thought it best not to take him with him. Christian Standard Version says this, Paul thought it was inappropriate to take John Mark. New American Standard says this, Paul insisted in not taking Mark with him. You see that? An increasingly disdain for John Mark. In other words, Paul was not having it. He didn't want to minister alongside of a person who had abandoned him. That very person says, I am going to be with you to the end. After a while, we begin to think about maybe it was about appeasing Paul. Maybe it's about, you know, just soothing Paul's spirit. It's very interesting that oftentimes I have had discussion with plenty of people and one time having a discussion with a person about uh, the shortcomings of the Apostle Paul and uh, this person didn't want to hear anything about uh, the Apostle Paul having any shortcomings. They thought that the Apostle Paul was absolutely, he was absolutely uh, perfect in his presentation and in his personhood. But what was going on with John Mark? Well, we don't know if John Mark was, uh, became disillusioned because if you look at Scripture early on in the book of Acts, oftentimes you would see Barnabas and then you would see Paul. You would see Barnabas and then you would see Paul. And then all of a sudden in the book of Acts, those names switch. You would see Paul and then you would see Barnabas. You would see Paul and then you would see Barnabas. You see, obviously in Scripture, Scripture tells us that there was a leadership shift. Leadership shift. So maybe John Mark, because some say he was actually Barnabas' cousin. Maybe he didn't like the fact that Paul was now leader. Uh, we don't know. Maybe he was homesick for his mom. Right? When we are first introduced uh, to John Mark in Acts chapter 12, verse 12, that it looks like he was at his mama's house. So maybe he was kind of homesick and wanted to see his mommy. 
But also, I'd like to submit to you, maybe John Mark was a little bit shaken by the power of God on display against Elymas, the magician, there in Acts chapter 13, verse 8. But Scripture does not tell us what the issue was. We can only make assumptions. What else does the Scripture say? Well, let's look at Acts chapter 13, verse 13. Acts 13, verse 13. We'll read two verses. <clears throat> now Paul and his companions set sail from Paphos and came to Perga in Pamphylia. And John, and here it is right there, that's John, John Mark, he left them and returned to Jerusalem. That's all it says. What does it say? And John Mark and John left them and returned to Jerusalem. But they went on from Perga and came to Antioch and Pisidia, and on the Sabbath day, they went into the synagogue and sat down. So it's important to note two things, right? In Acts 13, 13, if you don't know who the author of the book of Acts is, it is Luke. Luke, the person who wrote the gospel of Luke, he also wrote the book of Acts, right? So in Acts 13, 13, Luke, he tells us that Mark simply left the party before it was over. That's all. They just say he left. He doesn't give us any reason or nothing like that. But then uh, when we turn to Acts chapter 15, verse 38, it provides Paul's perspective on the matter, right? And here in 38, it says that Paul thought best not to take. Well, really, uh, it really could read uh, that he decided that he didn't want to take him because Paul had, uh, because John Mark not has simply withdrawn, but he had abandoned or deserted them. We see that in the original language. So when we look at this, when we look at Barnabas' response to John Mark, and I'm getting somewhere if you're wondering, when are you ever going to get there? Uh, when we look at Barnabas' response to John Mark, and we look at Luke's response to John Mark, uh, it looks like they were on this side, but Paul had issue. Paul thought that John Mark had abandoned them. Well, guess what, Paul? Guess what, Paul? Paul uh, John Mark didn't just abandon you. He also abandoned Barnabas and everybody else. But why is it it's only Paul's the one that's causing this mess? But at the end of the day, Scripture does not speak to us about why John Mark left, so we'll just remain silent as does Scripture. But abandonment is an issue that affects all of us in one way or another. While Paul is dealing with the issue of ministry, we may deal with that or other matters of abandonment. Maybe Paul felt John Mark was not worthy of that great opportunity to serve Jesus. I don't know... I don't know, but I do know that Paul took it pretty hard and was not willing to partner with John Mark again. When a person is abandoned, when you have been abandoned, we feel betrayed, left behind, not cared for. And it makes you feel like trash. You see... When you have been abandoned, there is a great sense of loss or sense that something has been ripped out of you before it was time. 
When you have been abandoned, you feel alone and exposed in a way that truly causes a great sense of insecurity. If someone you love has ever left you for a selfish reason, you feel abandoned and you understand. You understand because you were almost willing to do whatever it took, including beg, don't go! Stay! Result to begging. I know that some of you would probably never beg another person. I know, I know you wouldn't. But that passion to have that person to come back is there nevertheless. How many times have we heard in marriages how one spouse has left another and, and ladies, is, is not just men leaving, but women have left as well. If you love someone who have died, you may also feel abandoned as well. It's very interesting that, that in the course someone that you love passing away, it's really amazing that you can have all the friends around you, right? All the friends around you speaking to you, encouraging you, telling you that you're going to be okay and I'm going to pray for you. People visiting and people calling. But you still feel alone. And we know that people mean well, but in our minds and our hearts, we think that even the person who has passed away, maybe they decided that they just had enough. I, I, I had to go through the same thing when, when, when my mother passed away. I remember talking to her and telling her to fight. On the other hand, she's saying that I had enough of this. And I'm saying, yeah, I hear what you said, but you got to fight. You have to fight. And she says, I know, but I'm, you know, I'm tired. I'm tired. It's like, God, what can I do uh, to make sure this separation does not happen? What can I do? I tell you, the best doctors in the world, when it's time for someone to go, the best, best doctors in the world can't fix it. So when we are abandoned, when someone has deserted us, it hurts and it hurts a lot. Well, this is not just about separation and death. And I know that Many of you have grown to that point in your life that you would never, ever let anyone hurt you again. Yes, you are tough as nails uh, in your heart uh, because you have uh, not uh, allowed the Lord to take that stony heart and to melt it and to mold it. What has happened to you? What's, I mean, really, what's happened to you? Why is your heart so hard? Why are you the way that you are. Well, you may not necessarily have a hard heart against Jesus, but yet oftentimes we don't realize 
how that hurt, that separation, how that abandonment has infiltrated the way that we view other people. Bottom line is that abandonment can have a negative impact on the rest of your relationships. Abandonment can have a negative impact on the rest of your relationships. Acts chapter 15, verse 39. Here it is. And there arose a sharp disagreement so that they separated from one another. This is Barnabas, right? Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed away to Cyprus. But Paul chose Silas and departed, having been commended by the brothers to the grace of the Lord. And he went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. Past problems, right? That issue of abandonment, past problems uh, can create a present complications. Past problems can create present complications. It would be nice to know that once we are faced with this issue about abandonment, that we deal with it and it's done once and for all and we're good to go. But the truth of the matter is that they linger and may eventually morph into our behavior and into our responses when we get around certain people in certain situations. You know what I'm talking about when you've said, you know, I don't know why I don't like that person. Somebody that you don't even know. There's just something about them. Well, I'll tell you what it is. It's because it may remind you of Mr. Slick who left you. When you look at, remember Mr. Slick who had abandoned you, ladies, and you know what I'm talking about. Guys, it may remind you of that lady uh, that you thought that you had tucked away neatly in your mind. As a matter of fact, uh, that you had, uh, had thrown away down into the disposal of nothingness. Here's the same kind of lady all of a sudden. Back at you again. I don't know why I have a problem. There's something about them. Yeah, you've been hurt and it's still lingering. They ain't got, that new person is probably a, a very good person. <laughs> we would have expected the Apostle Paul of all people to move beyond the past and look very positively towards the future with John Mark, uh, but especially with Barnabas, uh, his longtime friend and mentor. Would seem he would understand the strife that is created when past problems seep into our current and our present relationships. Nevertheless, Paul couldn't get past it. His recognition of what John Mark had done now caused a problem with someone who brought up, who was brought up through the ranks. One translation says uh, there was a sharp disagreement that they parted company. Tempers were flaring while each wrestled with who God wanted them to be. Paul wanted to spread the gospel and encourage the saints. Barnabas wanted to spread the gospel and encourage the saints. What? Both of them were trying to do the same thing, but John Mark was in the way. In one sense, Barnabas knew how Paul felt about John Mark and believed it was now time to bring him back into the picture. Barnabas knew what he was doing. He knew that, uh, he knew that uh, Paul had an issue with John Mark. 
You know that some, he knew that sometimes Apostle Paul can be a little rough. But Paul, he could not move past it. You see, we can either harbor those ill feelings or hurl them uh, out of our hearts through the power of the Spirit of Christ. I know what someone has done to you was real. I know it was real. I understand. I get that. I don't understand your exact set of shoes you walked through, but I understand. I know what it means to be hurt. Barnabas wanted Mark in the picture not to hurt Paul, but to encourage John Mark and to continue the move of the gospel of God. It was really about Jesus. I need to ask you a very important question today. Are you struggling with abandonment? That all you have done really is just push it down and it's really still there. For some of you, that abandonment drives the core of your soul. Again, abandonment includes people, not just people leaving you for no good reason, but even in divorce. For those folks that you're living with who are emotionally absent. And of course, death. Because we don't always understand what went on in the other person's mind, it creates a great sense of doubt about who we are and what we did to cause the problem in the first place. And we spend half of our life trying to figure out, what did I do? What did I do to cause this? Why did they leave? What did I do? And you're trying to assess yourself and you can't figure it out. Paul was not willing to subject, subject himself to this person again, even if it caused a rift between him and the person that he really loved, Barnabas. How far are you willing to go to make sure it doesn't happen to you again? How far? Will you ever trust again? I want you to know that Jesus can mend a defensive heart. Jesus, the power of the Spirit, is able to mend your heart if you have been hurt. Turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4, beginning in verse 9. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 9. This is now Paul's letters to Timothy, whom he was mentoring. He says this, do your best to come to me soon. For Demas, in love with this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Cretans has gone to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia. Luke alone is with me. Here it is. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is very useful to me for ministry. Huh. Verse 12. Tychicus, I have sent to Ephesus. When you come, bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Troas, also the books. 
and above all the parchment. Alexander the coppersmith did me great harm. The Lord will repay him according to his deeds. Beware of him yourself, for he strongly opposed our message. So how long will it take you to get there? Brothers and sisters, how long will it take you to get to that point of forgiveness? This was a point in which Paul had finally found himself on the edge of a place that he realized that he would not return. Paul was on the edge of a place that he knew that he was not going to return. Here we go, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6. Uh, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6. He says this, For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at, it has come, or is at hand in some translations. He was not talking about a time to leave one town and go to another for the gospel. He was talking about death. And Paul was saying, I am about to die. During these days, Paul was doing some reflecting about his life and about the people that he had been connected with. Many years later, Paul had still not dealt with, dealt with his heart and what we read about with John Mark. But now, in this place of no return, he could no longer ignore the issue because the Lord had prompted him to face it once and for all. You better deal with John Mark. Before you leave this planet, you have to deal with John Mark. So Paul submits himself to the Lord and calls for John Mark again. Luke alone is with me. Get Mark and bring him with me, uh, with you, for he is very useful to me for ministry. Remember, remember before that Paul didn't want nothing to do with John Mark? We read that. He had finally come around to Barnabas' point of view. So it took him, I'm not sure how many years that was, to that point that he seemed like he hated John Mark, to now he was saying, get John Mark and bring him here to me now. I'm not sure. But he finally came around to Barnabas' point of view. So obviously Barnabas was correct in his assessment of the situation. No, even though he failed, we need to encourage him. And Paul was saying, no, I'm not encouraging anybody. I don't want him here. I don't know when I'm around me. And Barnabas basically was saying, no, you're wrong, Paul. Hmm. Forgive and restore if possible. Forgive and restore if possible. He understood that John Mark was faithful, and maybe he did have issues at one time, but Paul knew he had to forgive this issue of being abandoned. In that forgiveness, I believe that the Lord would finally give Paul, Paul's heart rest in that matter. Imagine all these years had passed, and Paul was still thinking about what John Mark had done. We get all these great uh, theological treaties like Romans, Paul, in the back of his mind, that John Mark, come and be saved. Come to Jesus Christ for the remission of sin. Come to him, for we are saved by faith alone, in Christ alone. Paul would say these things, and in the back of his mind, he would probably say something, that John Mark. Will you be saved? 
Will you be baptized in the name of, of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit? That John Mark. Will you uh, build this church? Will you as a church stop being divided among yourselves and come in unity? Paul would say in 1 Corinthians, uh, Corinthians would you stop being divided in the church? That John Mark. All of his life, Paul had to deal with this until finally he knew that it was time for him to go home. And obviously he knew he was wrong. Because else, why would you call for Mark? But also note this. At the end of his life, Paul still had to deal with desertion by others. But look at how he grew nevertheless. We read in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 14, At my first defense, no one came to stand by me, uh, but all deserted me. You see, he dealt with the issue of desertion uh, there in Acts chapter 15. And now, at the end of his life, he's about to die, and he's saying, all have deserted me except for one person. And then look at uh, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 10. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 10. And he uses this word again. He says what? Demas has deserted me. You see? The Lord was trying to tell him, look, Paul, you have to deal with this. See, it wasn't just an issue with John Mark and desertion. God was basically trying to tell Paul, you know, it's not about you, man. It's about me and my gospel. But now he has taken a more Christ-honoring vantage point because at the end of uh, their 2 Timothy chapter 4, he says that basically may the Lord not hold it against them. You see the difference response? Before it was, I don't want nothing to do with him, but now for those people who deserted him, may the Lord not hold it against them. Now he had grown. Now the Lord had allowed him to mature. He realized that the flesh can get in the way. Uh, do you realize that the flesh can get in the way of your freedom? Your flesh can get in the way. Well, I know that Jesus can mend your heart of all the insecurities you may have experienced by the abandonment of others. However, I know that the Lord would not want you to wait until the end of your life. Will you wait until your deathbed to finally start to forgive? When will you forgive? When will you forgive? Well, I'm not asking you to confess this before the Lord Jesus and allow his forgiveness to shower you with the comfort that you have been longing for uh, in the sense that you have to go back to that person. You, know, you may not have to go back to that person because that person can be long gone or well out of your life. I'm not asking you to rehash that. Uh, what I'm saying is that we must get to the Lord and again ask, confess that sin before him and ask for his forgiveness and we forgive that person. Jesus wants to comfort you today. He wants you to forgive and restore if possible. If it's not possible to restore, then certainly you can forgive. How you, will you respond to God's message today about abandonment? Will you finally, once and for all, give it to the Lord? Or will you hold on this to the rest of your life and possibly even shorten your life?